The time is now. What is the secret to success? Movement. People look at you strange saying you change, like you work that hard to stay the same. Like you're doing all this for a reason. Hard work. Yeah. Works. This podcast is brought to you by Calcica Fit app. Uh, that's right, we got an app also. The Fit app gives you unlimited access to over 100 high-quality fitness classes, and you can choose from a mix of spin, strength, TRX, HIT, yoga, Pilates, meditation, mobility workouts. We got some new content coming out. I just did a DJ spin class. That's going to be coming out pretty soon. So check all those things out. Download the Calcica Fit app. Go to Apple Store, go to the Google Store, Android Store, and you can get it all done there. It's very simple. It's our Netflix version of fitness. And point and click and have fun. And by the way, it's less than 50 cents a day. Yeah. Welcome to the latest Trainers Talk. This is Donovan Allman. Today's special guest is going to be Rob Morrow. He is a executive coach. Um, who has years of experience um, working in banking and finance. And uh, he takes his skills to uh, a new level. And you kind of will hear more in the interview with that one. And I kind of want to give a business tip of the week here um, or of the month. You know, one of the things that um, I believe in is that it takes a community, it takes a team to really build something special and to really make waves in the, in the world. And getting the right team doesn't mean it's people that's all in, that you employ or that um, are on the payroll. It's sometimes about connecting with with people who who have experiences, has goals, um, that either you want to get to or that you can use to enhance what you currently do. And so my, if I was going to give a tip to any young, young entrepreneur or somebody who's getting into the game a little bit later is to build your community of resources. Um, and not all, it's not always financial. It's, uh, it's knowledge, it's people with experience, it's people that will be your cheerleader um, when it inevitably happens, things will, will get harder. That, having that resource, there's so many times that I've been able to skip a couple steps of, um, because I asked the question, um, because I said, you know, I need a little help in this area that I don't have experience in. And it doesn't mean that you don't have to do the hard work to put in what it takes to achieve those tasks, but at least getting the roadmap so you can drive it to get to your destination in a faster way is the way to go, um, especially um, when it just involves a little bit of care, a little bit of uh, persistence. A little bit of enthusiasm. So that tip of the week, business tip of the week, is to expand and build your community of resources. So sit back here. We're about to get into the next uh, trainer's talk. And this guy, Rob Morrow, like I said, uh, executive coach. And we're looking to do some more sessions. We had such a good time. We had a good response on our YouTube uh, version of this interview. So you can check that out and we're going to do some more talks about how to navigate what's 2020 has become and what it's going to look like in the future. And the, the things that we're going to be doing is talking about, are you taking care of yourself? You know, so many things have been happening this year that, that we get lost in, um, you know, our own wellness and health and, we're going to get back to that and we're going to figure out ways to um, be in more control and to be able to adjust um, more effortlessly even when things are 
you know, not always lined up the perfect way. So enjoy this talk that I have with Rob Morrow. Yeah! Hello, boys and girls. I want to welcome you to another uh, trainer's talk. And today's guest, I'm going to kind of give you a little intro before uh, we get into our, our conversation today. Uh, today's guest graduated from UC, uh, UNC Chapel Hill, uh, his bachelor's degree there, and he went to Stanford University where he got in graduate school for credit and financial management. Um, he's also went to Harvard Business School for the program for management uh, development and also did a certification for external coaching at Columbia Business School. Um, his early side of his career in the 80s, the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s was in banking as an executive uh, uh, with Wells Fargo, then Merrill Lynch, uh, Bank of America as a high-level executive um, working in San Francisco and also in Asia uh, in several other places, London, uh, you can name a few. So he's been around the world uh, to say the least. Um, also, uh, as we move forward, um, one of the things that our next guest here, Mr. Rob Morrow, uh, he is also the managing partner of Inflection Point Consulting. And uh, Rob and myself have known each other for over 10 years. And he's also been a coach to me when it has come to some of the business things when, when I started CalSiga Fit. And I think our conversation today with what's gone on in 2020 will be a, a very useful one. And it will be one where it probably be the first trainer's talk where a pen and a pencil uh, and a piece of paper or your iPad is going to be needed. Because I think some notes and some life lessons and some business lessons will come out of this talk. Hopefully that can help you uh, move forward uh, in this rest of this year and years to come. So I want to thank our very special guests. Well, thank you for uh, inviting me. This is, uh, I look forward to the conversation as I always do with you. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the things I was uh, observing as I was uh, thinking about um, what you had asked me to, to prepare for, or at least give some thought to, was uh, as I was thinking about my consulting practice and yeah. how I go about doing it and what I think is important to my clients, uh, I kept uh, being struck by the uh, similarities between uh, my practice and your practice. Yeah. That uh, the mediums may be different, but the concept of uh, trying to help people advance an agenda yeah. that's important to them uh, and being able to facilitate that, uh, I think we share that. Yeah. So I, I, I was, uh, one of the unintended consequences of thinking about this was how much our businesses are alike. Uh, yes, and it's, it's totally true. I think at the end of the day, we're totally, in a way, we're, we're coaches, we're advisors um, to our clients and to those closest to us. And, um, and you named your, your consulting company Inflection Point. Um, what is an Inflection Point? Well, uh, an Inflection Point is defined as the point where a change takes place. Yeah. So change is the key word. So that's kind of the definition. Uh, there are lots of technical definitions. Uh, an inflection point is often referred to as a, a sharp bending of light. Okay. Uh, so it's, a, it's yeah. a change of direction. It's where change takes place. So change is at the heart of it. Uh, when I think about it and apply it to my own practice, uh, I like to think of it as those crossroads, those watershed moments mm -hmm. that we all face and how we handle those has a lot to do with what we become yeah. and what we achieve. Totally. So it's, it's, it's important points of change that if done correctly can make a big difference. Yeah. So it's, it's about high impact opportunities that we, we have a chance to grasp. Yeah. So that's, that's, that is, and, and really the, the name of the practice, Inflection Point, I think speaks exactly to what I'm trying to do with people. Yeah, totally. And when you, so you created this in 2012, mm -hmm. um, and you know, looking through your CV and your, your career a little bit, 
you know, you've done a lot in banking. You've also worked um, at your high school alma mater. Yes, yes. And um, doing chief uh, development um, for that campus. But as you moved into this, where you're working with individual clients versus teams and leading teams in different, um, was there an inflection point or was there a... You can say it. Yeah, it was there an inflection point in you deciding to create Inflection Point Consulting? Well, uh, it's a great question. Yeah. Uh, and I would say, um, I'd answer it like this, that when I left my, my last sort of business part of my career, which is at Table Rock Capital, which is a infrastructure firm, uh, I, really quite, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I decided I was going to take a good bit of time to think about that and figure it out. And I spent, let's say, a, I spent a year on that journey. And during the course of that journey, what I discovered was that when you were seeking advice, when you were really trying to get people to help you, yeah. you know, I, I need your advice, I need your help, I need your counsel. Yeah. Um, it was very hard to come by. <laughs> yeah. And over the course of the year, uh, I discovered, uh, in, ra in round terms, there were really three sets of people. The first set were people that were very eager to help you, yeah. good, well-meaning, come over anytime and talk. But at the end of the day, they really couldn't help you because they weren't well-trained or they couldn't add any value to your problem. Yeah. So well-meaning, but they couldn't help. Yeah. Uh, then there was a second group of people that uh, could help you, well qualified, but you didn't have access to them. You couldn't you, you couldn't get to them, or if you if you got to them, they uh, just really wouldn't help you. Yeah. So you know, and then there was a a third and very small set of people that could help you, and would help you. Yeah. Yeah. And I said to myself, I kind of had an epiphany, if you will. I said, you know, that's what I want to build my firm around. I want to build my firm around a concept that I can help people and I will help people. Yeah. And that's what my business is about. And what's kind of, what would you say is kind of your approach when it comes to when you sit down, when you meet a client for the first time, what, is, what does that kind of look like? Well, first of all, let's set, set the stage a little bit. Uh, Inflection Point Consulting is, base, is, is a highly, uh, basically it's a highly customized consulting practice yeah. designed to help individuals identify and address issues that are of strategic importance to them. Yeah. So that's, that sets the stage. And while each, each engagement or each client is different, I'd say there are probably three overriding elements that are important as you go through the, the yeah. work. Uh, the first is uh, what I call a needs assessment. Okay. You know, yep. or or sometimes I refer to it as a statement of discontent. You know, what is it that you are seeking help in? Yeah. So we we start there. Uh, oddly enough, that can be very difficult to determine. Yeah. Uh, people often actually don't know exactly what the problem is or what they're trying to solve. Yes, awareness is not always high on most there, of these you know, yeah. they, pe people can come in, they're very emotional, they can be all over the place, and so really getting to the essence of what it is they want to address is not always self-evident. So we start with the needs assessment. From there, uh, the next step, or one of the early steps, is uh, taking an inventory. And when I say taking an inventory, uh, before we can decide what course of action we're going to take against the problem, uh, you know, we have to know what's in your toolkit. What, what, what are you equipped to do? And uh, I, I like to think of this in terms of your, your personal capital. Yeah. That each of us, as we grow through our life, develop certain things that, elements that become to mean us. Yeah. Okay, and I, I look at those as five different uh, five different categories of personal capital. There's intellectual capital, which is how you think, how yep. you learn, how you grow. There's career capital, which is 
what have you done in your life? What skills have you uh, amassed? Uh, what experiences do you have? There's financial capital, which is, you know, what is your financial situation? Yeah. Kind of does make a difference as you start to explore options. So we need to understand that. Uh, another one we look at is relationship capital. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you define relationships in your life? Yeah. Who are your relationships? Uh, what, when you think of being a good friend to someone, what, what does that mean? Yeah. So, so how you relate to people is critical. And uh, the fifth, and not necessarily the last, but the fifth capital that we look at is social capital, which is how do you view yourself as a member of the community? Mm. Are you on an island or are you a participant? Yeah. So when we take that whole body of work, we take a look at all of that capital, and that becomes your toolkit and basically becomes your DNA. Yeah. That's your, that's your thumbprint. So let's, I, we just kind of went through a lot right there, and I think let's almost kind of take it backwards and come back to the needs assessment. And, and you, we can bounce some like examples um, maybe off of each category, because I think it's, it's important as you're, you're watching this, if you, you can just listen along, but I think if you pull out a piece of paper and you start to do this for yourself, it, it doesn't even have to be connected to a job. You can be retired and you're kind of in this phase of figuring out what's the next thing you want to focus on um, in, your, in your life, or you just need to do a checkup, you know, and, and I think this is a good thing. So um, maybe I'll use myself as the needs assessment. So if we're talking about the needs assessment, how does that start off? And I'll, I can use myself and I'll just answer the questions that you might deliver towards me if, if I walk Well, if you. Let's, let's say uh, you were referred to me. Yeah. And, and by the way, 100% of my business is referral. Yeah. So someone would have suggested to you, probably another client, you would come to see me. And I, I would say, certainly, let's get together. Uh, and probably the first thing I would ask you was, uh, what brings us together? Yeah. What, what brings you here? Most people don't do preventative consultant. Yes. You know, I mean, they, they're... They've got something on their mind. Exactly. Right? So, you know, what's on your mind? Uh, what is it we're trying to achieve here? Uh, tell me a bit about your situation. And through that process, we would try to, and if, if you don't mind me personalizing this yeah, a little. Yeah, totally. You know, when you and I first met, uh, I would say what that would have sounded like after we filtered through it, you were saying, well, you know, I'm taking a very serious look at becoming more independent in my health and wellness practice, yeah. uh, and I'm trying to think carefully about what are the key issues I need to think about as I look at perhaps you know, leaving, leaving one job and going to another job. There's a level of uncertainty there. There's a level of risk there. Totally. Uh, how do I actually get my mind and my brain around and measure those carefully? Totally. So that would have sort of constituted the need after we had talked a while. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and it would be, it could be, uh, you know, sometime a need represents itself as somebody's got a problem. You know, sometimes it's a big opportunity. Yeah. Uh, I live in San Francisco, my wife is a doctor, I've just gotten a big opportunity to move to New York uh, for a big promotion within my consulting firm or my bank, whatever it might be. Okay, so why are you coming to talk to me? Sounds like life is good. Yeah. Well, you know, my wife doesn't want me to take this job and she doesn't want to relocate her practice in the kids' school to New York. Yeah. Okay, now, now we have something to unpack. Yeah, yeah. So that, that would be, those would be a couple of examples of needs. But, but it's, uh, I guess the one thing I'd say about needs is you, you can't, I can't overestimate the importance of getting that as clear as possible. Yeah. And, and actually, I insist with clients that we end up with a written needs assessment. Yeah. Yes, and so I would suggest doing the same thing and, and writing those down um, and really clearly having them. You can then build off your inventory. You can build off those capital, because I like how you break that down, the different yeah. capital things. Well, the other thing about a needs assessment is frequently, and when, when you work with 
consultants of any kind or work period, uh, it may, you know, many of the people in the audience may experience this when you're working with a group, you're on a board, whatever. Uh, one of the common pitfalls you have is what I call um, strategy drift. In other words, you know, all of a sudden you're at the end of a meeting and nobody knows where you are or how you got there. Yeah. And you can't remember even what you've started. Why are we, you know, how did we start the meeting? Yeah. So I use the needs assessment as sort of the north star gotcha. of the work. Yeah. So that we can constantly go back and test our work saying, how does it correlate to what we set out to change? Totally. That's the need. That's the North Star. Yeah, and it's and that's so important because uh, you you will get lost because a lot of things will come at you, especially in today's uh, world where things change really quickly. And if you still don't remember what the reason why you're doing what you're doing, it uh, you will drift uh, pretty far out. Well, it's the the world's currents take you in different places. So drip, you know. It, it, it's not whether you're going to be pushed and pulled along this path because you will be. Yes. The question is, do you have a rudder or a north star that brings you back? Yeah. And and without it, I think you can really find yourself not not doing the work you want to do and not getting results you want to get. Yeah. Yeah. Let's. Uh, I think some of the like the financial capital makes total sense right. in the sense of like that's pretty straightforward. Um, and uh, the social capital and the relationship capital, um, I would say speak on those a little bit more because when you go through this assessment, what if you look at some of your clients, when you go through this assessment, is there any light bulbs that you see kinda start to show itself when you're working with a client and they start going through this assessment part? Well, it is because what, what, I, what, what the normal pattern is, uh, I go, th I go through the exercise with them or introduce it, and you can sort of see that, you know, what's this about look? Yes. <laughs> you know, how do these things fit together? And these don't apply to me. Okay, so there's a little bit of a hedge that always goes on. Uh, usually by the time we finish, there's some aha moments. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't realize, uh, let me give you an example if I could. Okay. And this goes back to what I was talking about with, uh, with this one cl client I had who was an, an investment professional and his wife was in fact a doctor. Yeah. And they did in fact have three children in San Francisco all in private school. Yeah. And we were going through this drill and he had in fact been get offered a big new job in New York. And we were going through all of this and he had filled in the part about the relationships yeah. and how important his relationships were to his parents. His parents actually lived in Florida and they were moving to California to be near the family. Yeah. And so when we started dissecting the list, uh, I, I sort of, I, I asked him, uh, I said, well, look, you know, I got, I got a question that's come up here. I said, uh, you know, your, your wife, as a doctor with a job in San Francisco, your kids are in private school in San Francisco, your parents are relocating, all of those are important relationships. Parents, wife, children, yes. right? The big three. Yeah. Okay? So all of those people, the epicenter of all of those lives is or will soon be in San Francisco. So is it realistic for us to spend a lot of time thinking about you taking a job in New York? <laughs> Yeah. And that was, he said, I understand. I understand why you asked the question. I understand the importance of the relationship thought. Uh, and so if you think about what, what some of the, the bumper guards on your life are, yeah. what you can do, where you can do, how you can do it, uh, I could develop a whole scenario that was just relationship based. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You would be an example, my good friend. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, if you said, look, I'm going to, I got an opportunity to open up. The pandemic has given me an opportunity. There are three new, fantastic, state of the, state of the art gym facilities in Las Vegas. I'm going. 
I'm not sure you are. Yeah. You know, and no. for good reasons. And it wouldn't yeah. be because of the business opportunity, no. it would be because of the relationships. Exactly. So I think, uh, I, I think relationships, why they're important to us, how we develop them, uh, is, is just really important, critical, it, critical it, stuff. The, the thing that um, is interesting um, is, is that the different level of clients that you've worked with. So tell me a little bit more about your clients. I mean, we've talked about this kind of briefly before, but kind of give me an idea, a demographic of what type of clients you're working with. Uh, great question, uh, interesting question, and I, I think before I answer that, yeah, I, I would uh, I'd, I'd confess something here. Uh, you know, many of us uh, enter enter situations like consulting or being mentors with the idea that um, you know you're going to impart all this information and you're going to teach everybody and you're going to save them. Yeah. Well, you know. I, I would say the most interesting byproduct of my seven years doing this is how much I've learned from my clients. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm the I'm the net winner here. Yeah, I, not, not I, I, my clients. I'm sure they might have a range of views about it, but but I I feel lucky. I'm uh, I ditto. To, to to have my clients. But let me, let me just give you a, a thumbnail sketch if that okay. would work. Totally. Uh, I think I mentioned before that all of my clients. Uh, Virtually are either individuals or very small groups. Yeah. Okay. Mostly individuals. Hundred um, percent of the business is referral. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing this for seven years now. I've had over probably sixty-five uh, clients. Yeah. Uh, but within the context of that, we've probably done hundred and twenty-five to hundred and fifty engagements. Yeah. In other words, often a client will come to me. With whatever the issue is, yeah, and we'll and an engagement. Uh, I only work on an engagement basis, and an original engagement usually be is anywhere from eight to twelve sessions. Yeah. Okay, and a session is just a, a period with me, uh, and that that constitutes an engagement. Yeah. Uh, in probably half of my clients, I do multiple engagements. Yeah. In some cases, I've on my fifth and sixth engagement with a client. Yeah. Because they keep re-upping, and keep wanting me to work with them as they're progressing and changing jobs or moving or whatever. Uh, so about 150 engagements. Uh, my clients vary a great deal uh, by age. Probably the youngest is 22, the oldest is 72. Yeah. Uh, they, they vary by location, they vary by gender, they vary by profession, and they vary by need. Yeah. Uh, about 75% uh, of my clients actually live uh, outside of California. Yeah. Uh, a good number of those live outside the United States. Yeah. Uh, the range of uh, professions has been terrific. I think. Uh, I, I, I've got you know, from shipping to manufacturing to law to banking uh, to photography to. Uh, Landscaping to performing arts to uh, people in civil service, people in the State Department, uh, and people in health and wellness. Yes, yeah. So it's uh, it's a very eclectic group. So I've had a chance to to learn more. And one of the things that I tell my clients, and this is true, yeah, uh, because some consultants. Uh, Consult on very explicit issues. Yes. You know, uh, like in, in your in your business, someone might be a consultant on exactly how to lay out gym equipment in a X number of square feet. Exactly. You know, if I want to know where the rowing machine goes here, you know that that's that. Yeah. Uh, I don't. That's not my what I do. Yeah. Uh, my what I tell my clients is that, you know. I'm, I'm here to understand your needs and develop a strategy for you. Yeah. And while I do, depending on the nature of their business, sometimes I know a good bit about it, sometimes I know very little about it, but what I tell them is my working assumption is that they have forgotten more about their business than I'm ever going to know. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I, I have a, a really a very good and interesting client who is a, a who is an aeronautics engineer at NASA. Mm. 
well, that's all I know about NASA. You've heard it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm not trying to help him run his numbers better. Exactly. I'm trying to help him figure out why he's not happy at NASA yeah. and how he might repot himself somewhere else and are his skills identifiable and transferable onto another platform. Yeah. I don't need to know anything about NASA. Yes. Yeah. That's 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 interesting. And so, you know, if you were going to write a book um and um put some of the recurring themes that are come, pop up with your clients, what are some of those things that you see consistently across all those different uh, demographics? So if, so if I took a look at, if I just did a random walk through those 150 relationships, yeah. what, would there be any patterns? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, you know, noting that they're all different and unique, there are in fact some, some patterns. Uh, and I would say one of the most important patterns is that as I look at people that have, let's just say, been more and less successful in the work. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that's consistently important is those people that have actually the capacity to change. Mm -hmm. mm. Uh, and the real X factor and this is what throws, this is what really bugs people. The real X factor is people's level of motivation and their willingness to do the hard work that it takes to change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's an inside job, okay? Yeah. My job is to open the door, they have to walk through it. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty consistent, I'd say, and I don't think there's a single engagement that that hasn't been critical. Yes. So your willingness and motivation to work hard to bring about the change you want. And so you're saying within the themes, so you're saying the ability to change, which is something we'll come back to later because I think is, is very um, kind of uh, noteworthy when it comes to the pandemic, and then the motivation to change. Is there any other themes that you notice? Uh, I think those are I think those are about, well, I tell you what, there's another theme. Yeah. The human condition is pretty pressed. Yeah. I mean, when I look across these 60 to 65 people yeah. that I've dealt with, had the, had the pleasure of dealing with, and, you know, across all sectors, and, you know, one of them's a PhD from Stanford, you know, I mean, it, it just goes all over the place. Yeah. But the one common thing is a lot of people really need help. Mm. They, I mean, that's the common, the most common denominator. Yeah. I, and and it, 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 it supersedes money, it supersedes geography, yes. it supersedes age, is people need help. Yeah. People are out, people are struggling. Uh, and it might be about something you'd have no idea about. And, and I, I think that's why this needs assessment that I talked about is so important. Yeah. Uh, but, but people's ability to identify their need and will, I'd say ability to identify their need, the ability to ask for help, and then really the last mile of that is the ability to, to, to trust you enough with that assignment. Yeah. I mean, when, when, when I, I, I always do an intake, I mean, when somebody comes to me, I always do a, I spend about an hour going through all of this, and I, I tell them in advance, you know, this is a two-way interview. Yeah. You know, you've, you've got to trust me a lot, because this work, my work with people tends to be intense, yeah. And it tends to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, uh, I, I tell people that right up front. Uh, and oftentimes someone will say, well, you know, I, I really like what I've heard today. And when do we get started? And I always say, well, no, we're not ready yet. I want you to go away, take a couple of days. I want you to think about what I've said today. Think about the terms of the engagement. And if after two or three days of thinking about it, you're interested, 
call me back. Yeah. It's, I've, I've done that in my own practice yeah, you, too. Because it's what I don't want to do for my sake and actually more importantly for my client's sake is for have someone not to really thought about uh, the importance of the work, mm -hmm. the scope of the work, and that's the reason, frankly, I only work on an engagement basis. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, need, I, need, I want someone to be able to commit to eight to 12 sessions uh, up front. Yeah. And, and if, if they can't, then I, I, don't, I, I respect that, but you know, I don't want to get two sessions into the work and then they disappear. Yeah, totally. It's just it's not, 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 a, good, not a good approach. Um, can you share any examples of your clients' experiences that you've... Uh, I can, I can. I've, yeah. got, I've got a number, but uh, yeah, one, one uh, assignment comes to mind. Uh, again, it was a referral. Uh, a young man, young to me, about 40 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, he's an attorney. Uh, he was, uh, when he came to me, he was very, very unhappy in his practice, or just very unhappy about, about his job situation. Uh, and as I was listening to him describe the problem, uh, I used a phrase which I use maybe too often with my clients. I said, look, uh, we need to determine whether you're in the right church, but just sitting in the wrong pew, or are you in the wrong church? Yeah. Meaning, are you just in the wrong business? Yeah. Uh, and so, let me break that down for you. So, what it meant in his case, uh, the, the church was legal, you yeah. know, he's a, a lawyer. Uh, he loved the law, and he loved what he practiced. He was in the wrong pew, meaning he was working for the wrong firm. Mm, yeah. The culture, the size, the values of the firm were wrong for him. And so our, once we got to that, yeah. that's a big deal because you know, I want the client to be able to touch the bottom of the pool. He yeah. says, you know, I'm actually okay here. Yeah. I'm just in the wrong place. Yeah. Okay, that's a big breakthrough to get that. Totally, totally. Because he was thinking about maybe I shouldn't be a lawyer, maybe, you know, all, which turned out not to be the case. So the assignment with him turned out to have two parts to it. Well, first after determining that he, he was just in the wrong firm, so we developed a strategy, an exit strategy. How mm -hmm. could he actually get out of it gracefully and with a good reputation? And then secondly, how could he repot himself in a place that would be better for him? Yeah. And so uh, it took us about six months to extricate him from the firm. He started his own firm, and he's now in his fourth year turning clients away. Yeah, wow. That's awesome. So, uh, I have another one if you want it. Or yeah, yeah. Let's get one more, and then we'll kind of, kind of dive in to the pandemic kind of okay. things. That yeah. People are going through. Uh, this is a, a different one. It's a, a young lady who came to me on a referral from uh, someone in Charlottesville, Virginia. She had just graduated, uh, just received her PhD from Stanford in uh, in environment and resources, uh, and she was uh, struggling very badly. Uh, because she didn't know whether she was going to pursue an academic career with a PhD mm -hmm. or she wanted to go into the private sector. And, uh, and she just literally kept bouncing off of that. So we had to break down both of those options and alternatives, and, and we did. And we spent actually, probably it took us two years to work through that, those options. Yeah. Uh, she ultimately decided she wanted to be in the private sector and uh, I'm really very proud of her. Uh, she now, uh, she's now in her sixth month uh, working at Google. Oh, yeah. So just great outcome. And, uh, but th those are just two, two examples of many. So yeah. one of the things that, you know, 2020 has been one of these years uh, that has been, I would say epic is, is, a, is a low bar. Um, how has the, you know, the COVID-19 affected your clients? Well, I, I don't think it would surprise you to say that um, virtually all of my clients uh, have been affected uh, you know, professionally, financially, and personally. Uh, it just, I, I don't know a single person that's escaped it. Uh, it's affected some more than others in more draconian ways than others, but mm -hmm. But nobody, nobody has escaped, and I think that would be consistent with your experience. Totally. Yeah. So, so, so it's it's omnipresent, uh, and and it's real. Yeah. 
And you know, what, what are some of the things that you're um, working with to help your clients kind of navigate the pandemic? Well, the first thing I try to, uh, well, the two things I try to do early on. One, I say, you know, the importance of, of asking for help. Yeah. You know, this is a time to ask for help, and this goes back to yeah. our original comments, where do you get help? Exactly. Okay, so it's full circle here. Help's not easy to find. Exactly. Good help. Exactly. Good help. So you're looking for good help. Uh, but the other thing I, I try to uh, share with people is that, uh, is to point out that you know, our lives have and are, in fact, being profoundly affected. Yes. And that uh, the changes that we're experiencing I believe are going to be uh, significant and long-lasting. Yeah. I, I I just think it's important that you know if people are saying you know what's the matter with me and how come this is disturbing me so much, uh, I think there's real real grounds for being concerned totally. and we are in deep water. So I I, I try to try to be realistic. With I, that. I just try to be realistic about that and and in the. Um, in a spirit of real, realistic, yeah. uh, I don't know if you're familiar with or our audience is familiar with, with something called the Stockdale Paradox. No. They, okay. Teach maybe, me. This, maybe this is one of the yeah, yeah. papers. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Admiral James Stockdale was a, a Vietnam a POW from uh, 1965 to 1973. Mm -hmm. And he predictably endured sort of unspeakable, you know, torture and duress. Uh, but he, he survived and he returned. And since his return, he has committed his life to writing and teaching and lecturing about the art, broadly defined, mm. the art of survival. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe something we could use right now. Exactly. And uh, interestingly enough, one of the questions that he gets uh, in one form or another is, people try to sort of tee up, answer their own question is, well, you know, obviously one of the cornerstones of, of survival in a draconian environment, which we qualify for, is optimism. Mm. Yeah. You know, we need optimism. Exactly. And uh, he, uh, Admiral Stockdale, says, uh, not so fast. He says, my experience in the prisoner of war camp was the people that were overly optimistic were the most disappointed, disappointed, disappointment led to heartbreak, led to death. Mm. So the way he would phrase this is that the people that did the best or fared the best in these horrible situations were the people that were able to face the brutal reality and how dark things actually were, that they, they led with being realistic and they followed with optimism. Gotcha. And an example would be, you know, one of his cellmates would say, you know, I just know we're going to be home for Christmas. Well, you know, they weren't yeah. for seven years. Yeah. So, so so the admiral would say, uh, you know, you have to have long-term confidence in yourself. You have to, you have to, you have to have a prevailing view of faith, and it, it's going to ultimately be okay. Yeah. But in the interim, you have to be able to face reality and deal with things on a tactical basis. And I think that uh, he would say that you need a, a heavy dose of realism, along with a bit. Of optimism, yeah, uh, and I think that's a per, an appropriate message for where we are today. Totally, totally. You know, um, yeah, it's, it's it's that that's that's true. I mean, you have to deal within reality and know that it's it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, and within that, you know, uh, you've mentioned like getting during this time, getting back to the basics. What does that look like? Well. Um, you know, you and I have shared this before, and we've, we've, Donovan has been nice enough to include me in some group work we've done together with yeah. his team. And, and, you know, these are 
The beauty of this and what's fun about this is it's just so many of the themes we talk about are just, I like to think they're timeless. Maybe, yeah. that's, maybe that's just self-serving because yeah. I want to extend my work. <laughs> but but I, I, do, I do think a lot of these things do not go out of fashion. Yes. Uh, and, and so uh, when I look at an environment we're in now, which I think qualifies for chaotic, uh, difficult, uh, and complex and yeah. uncertain, uh, I think that is, is a time to kind of go back to basics. Yeah. Uh, and what do I mean by that? Uh, I think there are three or four things that, that would be on that list. Uh, I would encourage people to, to focus carefully on things that are important to them, mm -hmm. things that matter, and things that they have some degree of control over. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In other, in other words, right now, uh, for example, uh, you may be long-term con concerned about global warming but there are probably more immediate issues you've got to tackle than that. Yeah. So that would probably say it, it's important to me, but I don't control it much. Yeah. So I think we need to keep our list of activity relatively short. Things that are important and things we can control. Uh, second thing I think I would encourage people to do is go back and revisit their priorities because it, this is not business as usual. You might have had a priority list a year ago, which I doubt would be the same today. Exactly. So go back and look at your list, uh, professionally, financially, and personally. Yeah. Hit the reset button. It's probably different. Yeah. Okay, you need to look at it. Uh, the next thing I think we all need to do is create boundaries. Yes. Right? What's a boundary? A boundary says, this is okay, this isn't okay. I mean, the most stark example we have now is you know, we need to be six feet away. Yes. Okay, that's a boundary. Yep. But there may be other boundaries uh, in your life that says, look, uh, let's, say, let's say you had made a, a commitment to a nonprofit organization and you said you were going to give them $25 a month. Yep. Uh, you may no longer be in a position to do that. Yep. So creating a boundary would be I can't do that anymore. As soon as I can, I will. Yep. So boundaries are just, you know, like I, I used to say to my clients, uh, you know, I'm available 24-7. Yeah. And I now say, you know, not on Sunday. Yeah. So that's a boundary. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing is, which is really important and difficult to do, is manage expectations. Yes. Right? To yeah. tell people, what you can do, what you can't, what they can expect of you, because disappointment, disappointment really is only the difference between reality and expectations. So, for example, if I come to you and say somebody has referred me to you as a personal trainer, yeah, uh, and you and we, we say this is great. And I say, you know, I've got my gym bag in the back of the car. When can we get started? Yeah. Okay. Now, you're saying to yourself, I've got a one-month ba backlog of clients. I can't start until September 1. Yeah. Well, it's important for me to know that. Yeah. That's managing my expectation. Totally. Right? Yep. You're not telling me no. Yeah. You're just saying, I'd love to take you on as a client. I can't do it till September 1. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now I'm not disappointed. Yeah. Right? You've managed my expectation. Exactly. Exactly. And I think all of those things are key in continuously doing those as things change because the things change have been changing on us. The doors, you can do stuff inside. You can't do stuff inside anymore. You can do it only outside. So the, Those are perfect examples of expectations. Yeah. Right? Don't come to the gym expecting to use all the machines because the gym is closed, yeah. we're doing it on the roof, yeah. and you have to hear the, hear the new rules. Those are expectations, those are boundaries. Exactly. And, and people can live with it as long as you're clear. Exactly. Right? Exactly. If you gave mixed messages, you know, it's, you know, this is what we're told to do, but you don't really have to. Yeah. That doesn't help. Exactly. Right? That confuses people. Totally. Um, is there any, uh, anything you want to reflect on? Um, uh, you know, for people to kind of take forward uh, before we 
we get off. And, if, and also, outside of that, do you have any questions for me? Well, I, I think I would leave one, uh, leave people with, with, with one, one thought. And that's this, that uh, one of the things I encourage all my clients to do is to uh, simply stay the course. Mm. You know, showing up and suiting up. There's no, as I like to say, there's no app for that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's no app for that. And, uh, you know, perseverance is a greatly underrated element. Totally. And so I would like to just leave you with one of my favorite quotes from Oliver Wendell Holmes. Love it. uh, Who said the following. He said, it is not so much where we stand, but what direction we are moving. Sometime we must sail with the wind, and sometime we must sail against it. But sail we must, and not drift or lie at anchor. All right, well, I got my sail open. Um, I want to thank you for sitting down with me. Uh, my, my pleasure. We could, we, could, we could do this forever. I think it's fun. And uh, thank you for having me. This is a, a great opportunity to share my experiences, and uh, I hope it's been a some some benefit to the group. Uh, it's uh, I, it's been a great success from my standpoint. I've I've enjoyed it, as I always do with you, and it's uh, it's fun to talk about these things. And I do think they're timeless. Yeah, that that is totally true. And and I think being able to reset and use this and, and pause at different points, um, I think it's important to, to draw out the uh, the things that might help you out. And even if you only get one nugget out of there, I think it's totally worth it. Yep. And uh, I'm, I'm here if people want me, and it's fun. But uh, I, I really want to thank you, and uh, you're, you've, you've, you've done a great job. I think the idea of these talks is great, uh, and I think it's, uh, it's just a, a great, a perfect example of the times. Yeah. Right? Where, where everybody's need, having to be creative, resourceful, and share. Exactly. And, and I think this touches all those bases. Awesome. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Bye, guys.